Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, a broadcast of the Gospel with Dr. Charles E. Cole. Without further ado, open your Bibles to the Little Book of Jonah, Chapter 3, as the broadcast gets underway. Yeah. 
in the resurrection morning when the trump of God shall sound. We shall rise. Yes, we'll rise. Then the saints will come rejoicing and no tears will ever be found. chorus of number 134, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Everyone singing out heartily remain standing for prayer. Daniel Fuller will lead us to the throne of grace. Our Heavenly Father, we come into thy presence today with thanksgiving and joy, rejoicing in the wonderful hope that we have as Christians and for all the blessings that we do possess. How thankful we are of the certainty of immortality and resurrection. How thankful we are that the labor that we do in the flesh here upon this earth for thee is not in vain. And, Father, we're thankful also that we can come unto thee and call thee our Father, for truly thou hast made us thy sons through faith in Jesus Christ. Today we pray especially that as this broadcast goes out throughout the land that it may strengthen Christians everywhere, especially be with those that are young Christians who are just babes in Christ. We pray that the sincere milk of the word may be used to strengthen them, and to bell them up in the most holy faith. And also we pray for those Christians today who are going through times of trial and difficulty. May they be able to resist the devil, and may they be able to keep on believing in Jesus Christ. 
Also, we pray for our rulers in this land of our blessed, our blessed America. We pray that thou wilt be with them and strengthen them and give them wisdom in these difficult and hard days. We pray that the gospel may continue to be preached throughout this land and into other lands. And we pray that many may come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so bless this broadcast today in particular. We pray that many who are now on the broad way to destruction may be awakened, that they may repent of their sins, and they may believe on Jesus Christ. For we ask it in his name and for his sake. Amen. Mrs. Fuller with the letters. Go right ahead, honey. Greetings to you, friend. A dear friend of ours of many years ago wrote a letter recently. He is Dr. Thomas Mosley, who with his wife was a missionary in Tibet for many years. He is now president of Nyack Missionary Training School in New York. 
In memory, I can hear his lovely voice singing, Where Jesus is, tis heaven to be. When he used to visit Mr. Fuller's Bible class nearly 30 years ago, he loves this radio ministry, and he very kindly wrote to tell us of some of the fruitage of my husband's preaching, of which he heard. He wrote, A woman was saved in New England listening to your program, and two weeks later her husband was converted listening to the same program. They joined the church and later moved to a farm in a new district where they began to testify for Christ. God has blessed their efforts and 37 persons have been converted, 27 adults and 10 children. Now they are having services in their home and other homes and soon a church is to be started. <coughs> From Detroit, a man writes, Dear Reverend, your program is very enlightening. I shall look forward to the next one. I'm looking for a new life. I've been a sinner ever since I can remember, and now I do accept Christ as my Savior and salvation. From Pennsylvania, a man writes very enthusiastically, a serviceman, Dear Reverend Fuller, my home is in Texas, but Uncle Sam has called again, so here I am back in the Navy where I spent six years in the other war. I then attended your Long Beach broadcast three times, and I loved every minute of it. I like to hear Rudy play. I like to hear the audience sing, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, as well as Heavenly Sunshine. And I like your chorus and your preaching. I like it all, and I hope it has never changed. I only wish there were more down-to-earth preachers like you. Another man and I managed to hear you aboard ship, even if we have to put on earphones to drown out the bull sessions. I have never been able to understand the Bible so well as when you explain it, Mr. Fuller, and you do it so easy-like. We're looking forward to next Sunday. <clears throat> A 19-year-old lad in Ireland is so glad that he's heard about the program. He was first told about the hour by an unsaved boy, so by word of mouth, news of the old-fashioned revival hour is circulating all over Great Britain. A man writes from England, To date I have heard about six of your programs, and I feel sure I am speaking for many other British listeners when I say it is the most beautiful and impressive sacred service that I have ever heard. I am sure that as more and more people over here learn about the program, uh, the numbers of listeners will increase. I suppose it is a time-worn saying that this old world needs a return to true religion and all that that means. I am nobody of importance, just a tuberculosis case, awaiting admission to a hospital, but I am one of the many who are enjoying this program to the fullest and feel that it is most refreshing and heart-searching. And in all sincerity, I hope that its radius will be extended still, still farther to bring joy and hope to suffering mankind. Another man writes from Britain, and may I say that through these foreign stations, the program can receive no support, as none can be sent out of those countries. Yet they are tremendously appreciative and are doing their best by word of mouth and other means to make the fact known that the old-fashioned revival hour can be heard. And moreover, they are praying earnestly. 
We should be most happy to hear of conversions abroad, too, though we do appreciate all of the letters. Here's just a bit from a letter from abroad. Your service is very spiritual and true to God's word. We appreciate that, but also we love the cheer of it here in Britain, for you all seem to be so happy. It lifts our spirits, too, as we look forward most eagerly to the hour, which is the shortest of the week. And then there's just one more letter I'll have time to read you today. It is a good one, I think, from Scotland. Dear friends, I feel I must tell you of our appreciation of your broadcasts, which are really a blessing. In our town, we have a population of about 15,000, and I earnestly believe that in at least 200 homes, they are listening to your messages. And word is going from home to home that people can be blessed by listening. Your broadcasts have certainly put a new zeal into my heart and a deeper desire for the things that really count. Our town is the most eagerly, most easterly point in Scotland, and the main industry is fishing. Many of these fishermen listen to your broadcasts out in their boats on the North Sea, and your chorus of heavenly sunshine comes to them through the storms all along the coast, and they hear the whole broadcast, music and preaching, with great blessing. We're all so glad that we can hear you and pray that many, many more may hear and be saved. That is all I shall have time to read today, friends. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, oh, I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. They're all expecting me, and that's one thing I know. I fixed it up with Jesus many years ago. I know he'll take me through, though I am weak and poor, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, oh, I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just over in glory land we'll live eternally. The saints on every hand are shouting victory. Their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, I I can't feel at home in this world anymore.
Fashion Revival Hour from the Municipal Auditorium at Long Beach, California. This is Charles E. Fuller speaking.
Glad to see so many servicemen here in the auditorium today. And all of you listening in and all here at the auditorium, have your Bibles open to the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark, beginning at the 21st verse. you out in the radio audience to get that Bible and open it right away quickly to mark the first chapter, verse 21, because I'm going to give many references out of God's Word today, and I want you to follow me on the subject of demons. The church of Jesus Christ is not taught as well as it should be upon the subject of Satan and demons. I want you to follow carefully, because what we're giving will be out of God's Word. Briefly, by the way of review, may we keep in mind that the main theme of Mark is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And this wonderful gospel centers around and in the person of God's beloved Son, the Lord Jesus. May I put it this way, the Lord Jesus is the gospel, and the gospel is the Lord Jesus, and these two are one and inseparable, one and the same. Any other gospel given forth apart from the substitutionary atoning work of Christ and his bodily resurrection from the dead is satanically inspired and out of the pit. And that brand of wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Personally, I thank God today that my eternal hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, that all other ground or foundation are but sinking sand. And when we carefully scan the 16 chapters of Mark, we see the gospel in action, the captain of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ, coming head-on against fallen humanity, sold under sin, sunk in sin. And the warfare, the greatest warfare of all ages, is on 
between God and Satan, between the forces of righteousness and the forces of unrighteousness. It is at white heat, this warfare, and Satan knows that his time is short, and he is energizing his own, perhaps as never before in the world's history. Nations rising against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms, wars and rumors of wars, men's hearts failing with fear. And I want you to know that there are two great spiritual laws in operation in this sin-sick, sin-wrecked world of ours. First, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus and the law of sin and death or operation killer. All men by nature, irrespective of nationality, color, or creed, are now under the absolute control and domination of the law of sin and death. And the only way out from under this law of sin and death is through the redemptive power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. If and when unnatural man now dead in trespasses and sin hears the glad tidings, repents and believes the gospel, the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus becomes operative, operation life. And that law will make him free and he will be delivered from the power of darkness and be translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son, a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now in Mark, we observe the captain of our salvation God's true servant in action, in a hand-to-hand conflict with Satan and all of his hosts of darkness, of darkness. And by comparing Matthew and Luke with Mark, we find Christ the gospel meets head-on with Satan and all of his works of unrighteousness. And Christ meets and defeats three of Satan's most powerful and active divisions, demons, disease, and death. And it's upon the first that I speak today, next Sunday, Lord willing, upon leprosy, the type of sin. The church of Jesus Christ, as I said a moment ago, is not as well taught or versed about Satan and his work as she should be. Very seldom, if at all, Do you hear a sermon on Satan, his origin, his work, his destiny? And we should know about the greatest enemy of our souls and be strong, clothed upon with the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the evil one. Very briefly now, and I can't go into much explanation in the time allotted, Satan the arch enemy of God, the hater of the righteous, a liar from the beginning, was a created being, a being of great beauty and full of wisdom, perfect before his fall, before becoming Satan. And according to Ezekiel 28:15, we learn that Satan was perfect in all his ways from the day he was created till iniquity was found in him. He was the anointed cherub that covered, that is, the head officer over the great hosts of angels. 
and under God appointed to be the head over the vast host of heavenly angels. Then, according to Isaiah 14, 12 to 17, we learn that Satan, or Lucifer, the son of the morning, desired to be like God, to have the worship of the angels unto himself, that is, to unseat God. For we read in Isaiah 14 as follows, Listen carefully, for thou hast said in thine heart, speaking to Satan, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High. And Satan, in his attempt to dethrone God to be like the Most High, fell through pride, and in his fall drew a host of angels with him. Now follow carefully. Now those angels which followed Satan in his fall are now called fallen angels. These fallen angels comprise Satan's spiritual kingdom in the heavenlies between earth and heaven itself. He's the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And the enforcers of the law of sin and death, Operation Killer, is none other than Satan and his host. Truly great is the mystery of iniquity, which is so active in the world today. Again, by the word, by a word of further explanation, some of the fallen angels are now in chains of darkness reserved under the coming judgment of the great white throne. And these fallen angels, or those fallen angels rather, not now in chains of darkness, are in active 24 hours around the clock. These are termed demons. Is that clear? There is one devil, many demons, or fallen angels. And these demons or fallen angels are constantly seeking entrance into or to be clothed upon or to indwell fallen humanity. I'm not saying that all humanity outside of Christ is demon-indwelt or demon-possessed, but there are scores and millions over the land today that are demon-possessed and have indwelling in them a demon, one of the fallen angels. Now take your Bible and turn to the 8th chapter of Matthew, please beginning at the 28th verse. We're going to do some comparing and remembering this, that the entrance of God's Word giveth light. And you need to know something about the enemy of your soul and his work and the kind of host that he has working under him and with him. Speaking of Jesus, when he was come to the other side into the country, of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils or demons coming out of the tombs. Now notice it. He met, Christ met two possessed of demons coming out of the tomb associated with death and the word exceeding fierce. Now that word fierce uh, means furious, perilous, and is exactly the same word 
in 2 Timothy 3.1, which says, In the last days shall be perilous, or fierce, or furious at times, energized, if you please, by demons. And we go on to note the characteristics of the last days, that men will be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, juvenile delinquency, if you please, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, that is, without self-control, sexual depravity, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's what the word fierce means. Turn to the fifth chapter of Mark. At the second verse, please. Something more about these demons and these fallen angels that are trying to be clothed upon with fallen humanity. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. And that word unclean means impure, lewd, foul, vile. You go home and read chapters 1, verse 18 of Romans, down to the end of the chapter, and you'll see what it means to be lewd and vile and impure. Read it. God unmasked the human heart, energized by Satan and his hosts of demons or unclean spirits. Furthermore, note verse 5 of Mark 5. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And we note from this that they are sadists, sadistic in nature. They love to torture. They love to punish. And some men revel in torturing the human flesh and inflicting cruel, inhuman punishment. And I'll tell you, back of it is demon possession without natural affection. And you take the 8th chapter of Luke, beginning at the 27th verse. These things need to be put forth, and you need to be warned to be on your guard, to be clothed upon with the whole armor of God. And may I interject this before I read from Luke 8th chapter. As it was in the days of Noah, there was an outbreak of demonism until the whole earth was filled with violence. And when Jesus came, the first advent, another outbreak of demonism. And according to Revelation, three unclean spirits are to come out from the pit. An unregenerated man who has received the mark of the beast will be energized by such a mass of demonism that the world has never seen. And the only safe harbor of rest and assurance and safety is in the blood of Jesus Christ. The 8th chapter of Luke, 27th verse, here it is. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had demons a long time and wear no clothes. Why all of this modern day 
scanty bathing suits, women and men parading almost in the nude. It's energized by Satan. And Satan and his demon hosts are back of this. And now go back to the first chapter of Mark, verse 21. Oh, how we need to know these things. And I have the remedy at the close for all of this. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught, and they were astonished at his doctrine, and so forth. The 23rd verse, and there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Even in the synagogue and in the church, there are demon-possessed men that are unregenerated. And the pastor talking to him the other day, he remarked, he said, What? Only one demon-possessed man in the church? Laughed as much to say, my church has got many of them. Unregenerated church members. You have a name to be alive, but dead with no witness of the Spirit in your heart that you've passed from death unto life. Now notice quickly in Mark 1.24 what the demons think of Jesus. They think a lot more of Jesus than some of the modern-day preachers. Here it is. Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art the Holy One of God. In other words, they confess that Jesus was the virgin-born Son of God. That's more than some liberal preachers will ever admit. Let's go on. And in Matthew 8:29 again, we find these words, And behold, the demons cried out, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And Satan and his demons know that the time is short and that the lake of fire is prepared for the devil and his angels. And they thought in 1900 years ago that Jesus, who had come then incarnate in the flesh, was going to put the demons into the lake of fire, come hither to torment us before the time. And I close with these words, What have I to do with thee? What have I to do with thee, says the demons? We know we're separated for all eternal ages. We know that we have fallen. We know that we are headed for the lake of fire. No hope. No redemption. No second chance. But their destiny fixed for time and eternity. And I say to every soul outside of Jesus Christ today, listening to my voice, if you die in your sins, you cannot go where Jesus is, but you will go after the judgment of the great white throne into the lake of fire prepared only for the devil and his angels. God didn't prepare it for you. He's saying to you outside of Christ, why will you die? As I live, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And I sent my son to die in your place instead on Calvary's cross, and He's saying to you, Come now, though your sins be as scarlet, 
They shall be as white as snow, and you'll have indwelling you the Holy Spirit. And he that is in you then is greater than he that is in the world. And you'll be more than conquerors through Christ who overcame Satan and all of his hopes through the blood shed on Calvary's cross. Are you saved? If not, why not? Let's bow our heads in prayer. No one stirring, please. outside of Christ in the radio audience, friend of mine, God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that if you'll only believe in him, to not perish but have everlasting life. God says, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. We're in a great spiritual warfare. I want you to come under the operation of the law of the spirit of life in Christ become a new creation, passing from death unto life, all things becoming new, and be able to stand against the wiles of the evil one in these closing difficult days. God bless you as you're making the decision. Kneel where you are and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me for Christ's sake. And him that cometh unto me, God says, I will in no wise cast out. Continue in prayer as we leave the air. Bidding you goodbye and God's richest blessing upon you.